Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Tuesday edition of the show, the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN with BK featuring BK as he is back from his vacation. Um, before we talk baseball, got to ask you, where'd you go? What'd you do? How'd it so go? We went to, it's an area called Orange Beach, which is basically right next to Gulf Shores, if you're familiar with the area. Uh, it's right on the Alabama-Florida line. We hung out down there for five days, hung out next to the beach. Dan, I even went into the water. Is into that the right? ocean, not not just the pool, went into the ocean, parade all the way out there, saw about 27 jellyfish around me. I said, I don't think this is for me. I'm going to go ahead and go back on up to the beach or for, to the pool. So uh, we hung out down there, had a fantastic time. I will say this. We went with Kara's wonderful family. They are all fantastic. We had a great time. They have a lot of kids. Dan, it's great birth control. Great birth control. I don't need to get into your personal life like this. <laughs> To, uh, to see what a vacation is like with children. I have never experienced such a situation. Um, like I said, it was wonderful, but it is a very different experience when you are traveling with children compared to when you're going on your own. You're just realizing this. You know, I, uh, I think I knew that inherently previously. When you see it up front, it's just a different experience, I think. And you realize they get up early. I, well, I knew that. Okay. that. That was kind of a given. They the, get sick a lot. Yeah, the whole going down to the beach for about 30 minutes, coming back up to the room for 20 minutes, going back down, but not really feeling like you want to go to the beach. So maybe we go to the pool and then we go over to the splash. That part, that part was a bit of a surprise to me. Sand in the underwear. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to take care of that. You got There's certain crevices. You got to get the sand out. Yep. And they're little guys, you know, oh, yeah. they're two or three running around. They love the sand. They bury themselves in the sand. Indeed. And so then and sometimes they want nothing to do with the sand, even though they're currently in the sand playing in the sand. And you realize then uh, they come out and they say, you know, it's really hot. I want to go back in. Yep. But then two of them don't want to go back in. Correct. Then one wants to go to the pool. The other one wants to go down to the beach. One says, can I go into the water? You say, no, you can't. Have you kept your eye on that one? No, I haven't. Where's the other one? Not sure. Is the uh, is grandma taking care of the third one? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they're fine, though. <laughs> I'm sure everything's going to be great. Yeah, so we had a very good vacation, but uh, it opens your eyes up a little bit when you see what vacation is like with children as opposed to on your own. Well, I can say this. How did the Cardinals? Uh... I don't care what the Cardinals did. My best memories are with my kids. I just sent my kids. Uh, so I had, four, I have four kids within a three and a half year period. So that's a lot of kids. So twins are mixed in there. Uh, if I would have had the twins first, I'm not sure I would have had the other two, but I didn't have it that way. I had a boy, a girl, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, wife came home with the uh, ultrasound thing and uh, said, what do you see there? And I said, a couple dots. I said, is that what I think it is? And then I fell over. So then there was uh, twins in our family, which is great. I love them. But uh, I sent them the best memories I got. It was just like two days ago. Does your phone ever go back and do memories and then put music to it? Like oh, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. The know, video yeah. format, yeah. I sent those to them, and uh, reflecting on that, it's the best time I ever had. So, BK, so is it shouldn't... fun or rewarding? Both. 
It's the best. Okay. Yeah, it's great. So when the Cardinals lose, I go home and I see my kids and I'm like, yeah, okay. There's more important things in the world. Sure. That's so BK, it shouldn't be to where um, as you dive into your marriage and you start wondering, you know, are we going to have kids? When are we going to have them? Your wife will make that decision for you, by the way. Um, Correct. That, that you say it's going to be great. And you go on um, and you say, yeah, there's going to be some tough times with this. But then you look back and you say it's the best thing I ever did. That's it. Now we can talk baseball. So how would everything go while I was gone, Dan? Well, the Cardinals. I saw the, the Royal Series. That's all I saw. Everything else went good? I thought it went great. Okay. Kind of. Uh, there was a homestand. You were part of that. Yeah, the very the Minnesota game. Right? Yeah, I, I did not see the Brave series. That go well? Uh, that did not go well. <laughs> and uh, I think you're probably thankful that you weren't on the air on Friday. Yeah, that would have been a tough one. So the Cubs game that they lost, I still put that as the the worst game of the year that the Cardinals lost. You're at home. You were up what five one six you're one whatever six it was runs because they went back to. Uh, or in it was the five, ninth. Run. Yeah. five runs, yep. six one in the uh, in the ninth, and you lose that game. That was a tough one. But then on Thursday was uh, not only tough, but the manner in which they lost it was brutal because there was bases loaded, walks, and uh, Gallegos got the first two. Then there was a double man on Reyes comes in, boom, 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 and a lot of walks. And there was hit batters, and it kind of exposed some of the nastiness, if you will of portions of the season, which was walks, bases loaded walks, hit batters, those kind of things. Then the Royals came into town and the Cardinals took two of three. So they're flying high to Pittsburgh for a game tonight that you can see on Valley Sports beginning at 530. I'm looking forward to it. This is the portion of the schedule that you got to take advantage of, Dan. They started it out well. I'm going to pretend like the Atlanta series never happened. They did well against Kansas City, even though you'd like to sweep that series. Two out of three is all you can ask for. Uh, now you've got Pittsburgh. You got to sweep this one. Then you, you well, got you get Kansas- to the point that you two out of three and three. If you got Pittsburgh, it's you got to say let's go get them because the Pirates right now are twelve and thirty-five against the Central. That is the worst winning percentage by any team this year against their own division. Now that hurts because remember the Cardinals have lost uh, games to Pittsburgh this year, including dropping three of four at home. The Cardinals have not been a good road team this year. Matter of fact, they're 21 and 31, the lowest winning percentage on the road through the first 54 games for the Cardinals since 2010. Now, there's some changes that they have coming up. We uh, we found out yesterday afternoon, Cardinals had to place KK on the 10-day IL, elbow, uh, elbow inflammation. They activated Daniel Ponce de Leon. Well, now it makes some sense as to why they were okay in lifting him through four innings on uh, Saturday start. It also makes now it also made sense in just the baseball realm of things of what they were trying to do to score some runs. And the bullpen, by the way, over the weekend was really good outside of Sunday at the end with Alex Reyes. So the bullpen did a pretty good job this weekend. They have reinforcements coming. So this lessens the blow when you have a Jack Flaherty coming back. You got Michaelis at some point coming back. Now his line was not good. In his last start, I don't care about the line. It doesn't matter. It What matters is how do you feel yesterday? What do you feel like today? What do you feel like going into your next 
uh, rehab start. And I think they can give him one more. But Flaherty's either going to start on Thursday or he's going to start over the weekend. I brought up the point, maybe you hold him to Kansas City. That's what I'd like to see. The DH is in play and he doesn't have to swing the bat. And then he also gets to start against Milwaukee as well. So That's you get kind of a double it. dip there where you get him against the team that you've got to beat head to head. And you don't have to see him going up there with the bat against Pittsburgh. And so. the, the other part, too, though, is if he's available, I want him out there. I, I would play devil's advocate. Now I'm leaning towards what you're saying, but I'm saying, too, I just need wins. So if he gives me a best opportunity to win, I don't care if it's against Pittsburgh, sure. Milwaukee, the Dodgers, I got to have him. You know what I mean? Now you have a lot of off days built in, too, and I was asked about this yesterday on the fast lane. In terms of with these off days, Brad brought up a really interesting point. I have thought about it. Would you keep them on schedule every fifth day? So while other guys get maneuvered around, um, if he's healthy and he hasn't pitched a lot this year, when he has pitched, he's been great. You know, do you keep him on schedule? I think you do because you got to try to get him out there every fifth day and get the most out of him for the remainder of the season. The guy I'm definitely doing that with is Wayno. Like, I'm, I'm just keeping that guy on schedule for sure because I need him going out there every fifth day. I just want to make sure my investment in Jack Flaherty stays healthy. So if there is a risk of even 10% where you feel like there's a re, more, more of a re-injury risk if he goes out there every fifth day as opposed to giving him that extra day, I'm probably not doing it. I don't think they would bring him back unless it was 100% because of what you just said. He, sure. He's too valuable. And they're they're dotting the I's, crossing the T's on every portion of the rehab just to make sure, hey, we're not going to put ourselves in this position to sacrifice our future and, by extension, his, which is tied in together. We're not going to do that. So I would think that if he kept – now, you can be cautious in that first start. Do you really want him swinging a bat? I understand that. But once he's in, man, he's pitching. That's fair. And if that ends up being the case, and if he's good to go and we see it that first night, and you're like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that's Jack Flaherty that we remember. Yeah, go ahead and him and Wayno, those are your guys. So see what you can get out of them down the stretch. Because, Dan, I, we've talked about 90 wins. It's kind of the threshold that you want to try to get to, right? If you're going to try to get to the postseason, well, yeah. you're 55 and 56 right now. To get to 90, you got to go basically 35 and 16, 16 the rest of the way. I did the numbers. It's winning too. almost 70% of your games. You, This team has struggled to get sweeps this year. You will need a half dozen sweeps yep. the rest of the way. I mean, it's got to be up there in terms of what you do. So this Pittsburgh series, the series against KC, two more against Pittsburgh coming up, the two-game series against Detroit. You got to go on a big time run here to be able to make this playoff run. So essentially, until the 30th of August, you have three games against a team that you're saying, hey, that's going to be tough. That's Milwaukee. Everybody else is what you talked about. A lot of Pittsburgh, some Detroit mixed in, Kansas City this weekend. So there is a chance. Jack Flaherty says he wants to pitch as soon as possible, period. I'd love to pitch real soon. I would love to pitch as, as soon as possible, um, especially with the way things have felt and the way things are going. Um, you know, and, and the way I am mentally, the way I feel, I'm not worried about it. Um, so everything feels good. All right, we'll see. That would give him potentially 10, by my count, 10 starts, potentially 11 starts of the remaining. How many games did you say it was 36 in? You got uh, 51 games yeah, left. Yeah, 51. So basically, I don't win 35 out of your last 50. So he, pretty simply. he would give you a fifth of those starts. That's what you're looking at. Um, and that would be if they decide every fifth game that gets him to like nine or ten. You know, so 
It's not easy. Uh, not easy whatsoever. All right. But you add in 10 more starts from Wayno potentially. Now you've got to 20. Where am I getting my other 15 from? I don't know, guys. You, that's that's for you to determine. But I think Jay Happ looks like he can be an interesting piece to this rotation. Dan, with this defense, I, I have come to the conclusion that, man, Wade LeBlanc, too. If you throw strikes and you can give me innings, you're probably going to have around a 3.5 to a 4 ERA. And it might not look pretty all the time, but you've got a pretty good chance to be a quality starter because of what you have behind you. If you're throwing strikes when you don't, that's where things really start to go south. Interesting that happened his third start this year. I was looking at his um, kind of the day by day starts that you have face the pirates. And this is one of his best starts, if not the best start that he had seven and a third one to hit no earned struck out three. Uh, had a bid for a no-hitter, ended with one out in the eighth. You may remember that. He retired 13 straight at one point. And his last start, which is kind of interesting, at PNC Park, October 4th of 2015. Remember, he spent some time with the Pirates, so he will get the start tonight. All right, so we've got uh, Mike Petriello coming up. What do you want to talk about with Mike? What do you, you want to hear from Mike? So coming up at 1030, I want to ask Mike Petriello exactly where the Cardinals rank in this uh, National League Central moving forward because 2021 is what it is. We can continue talking locally about the playoffs, but nationally I, I've been looking at a lot of stuff over the last 24 hours or so, Dan. When people are talking about playoff teams, playoff contenders, the Cardinals aren't really included in that mix right now. So I want to hear from Petriello. How far away does he view this team from the Brewers? I think I might have underestimated just how good this Brewers team is. Where are the Cardinals relative to them in 2022 and beyond? This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Mike Petriello is coming up, MLB.com and MLB Network. And yesterday on BK and Ferrario, Robert Murray was on from uh, Fansided, and he was asked to your question, I think, BK, kind of this question that you posed before the break, how far away are the Cardinals from contending? I'm pretty confident the Cardinals are are far away from being able to compete with a team like the Dodgers or the Padres or, or the Giants or the Brewers. Um, they need a lot of help all over the board. And that's why I thought it was really smart of them not to go all in on this season, despite some fans wanting them to do so. Because this team, they need a lot of help, and they're not going to end up getting it in one trade deadline. It's it's going to end up being a very lengthy process for the front office there, and it's not going to take one or two moves. They thought that Arenado move was going to was going to mask a lot of problems, and in reality, it's kind of probably open up their eyes to just how many issues there are with this lineup. Well, there's not issues at third. I would say not issues at first. Uh, I'm liking where the outfield is trending with the young guys. You can really do a lot of maneuvering with your pitching staff in terms of your bullpen going into the offseason. I don't think there's any doubt about that. For me, the final couple of months, and Randy asked me about this yesterday when I was filling in for Michelle, I, I want to know about the middle infield. I, I've got to get better clarity on where I'm at with Paul DeYoung, um, who's been better. You know, it, it's just it's been glaring at times like he snapped an 0 for 18, but prior to that he was hitting you know over 300 for about a 10 to 14-day stretch. But the 0 for 18, you know, stands out. Where are you right now with Paul DeYoung? Where are you at at second base? I think that's something that you have to find out going forward. I do think we'll get initial quick clarity, and just as my gut, on whether Wayno or Yachty comes back. Um, for Wayno, it'll be up to him. 
and Yachty, it'll be, you know, you know he wants to play, and I think the club would make that work. Now, maybe defining what it looks like next year and how much he plays is something that is up for debate, but I do think it'll wind up happening. So, for me, BK, going down the stretch here, I, w- I want to know more about that middle infield and where they at so I have a better idea, understanding, and maybe they already do, of what they need to do going into the offseason. Yeah, I just disagree with Robert Murray. Um, I understand in the moment it always feels this way. When you're not in contention, whether that be for the division or for a title or whatever you define contending as being, it feels like it always feels further away than it actually is. But the Cardinals have the cornerstone pieces. They have the number one starter that you need to contend. They have legit two, three or three, four in the lineup types of bats in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. You've got some pieces here. You've got young outfielders that you really like that should be uh, getting better as we move forward. Well, let me say this, too. Sure. And this is not an excuse. Every team deals with injuries. And I can uh, understand a fan go, oh, here we go. Well, no, this is also called reality. Jack Flaherty has missed two and a half months now. And so if he's pitching every fifth day, let's say you win just five of those games, six of those games. Okay. Um, And I'm not talking about him winning. I mean the team when he's on the mound. KK now a third stint going on the IL. You've gotten four innings out of Michaelis. If you had those three, shoulda, coulda, woulda, I get it. Or even one or two of those guys regularly. Bingo. You're talking about not being, uh, what, eight and a half out in the wild card. Maybe you're four and a half. And your view of the team is completely different with that jump. Again, I'm not making excuses. Every team has dealt with injuries. It's how you deal with the injuries and who steps up. Or you go out at the deadline and address those things. Or even before the deadline, you go out and address them. So I'm not I'm not trying to you know say, hey, uh, all the injuries cost them. But it is a factor. And it's it's three major guys that you had. I would also say losing Bader for the amount of time that they did was big. Because it had a trickle-down effect on what you did in right field, which then had a trickle-down effect on what you did in, at second base. So those injuries did play a major part with this uh, team. And it's to your point, it's not a major overhaul, but there's there are spots obviously you need to address. But I don't think they're as far away as maybe people like Robert, all due respect, are looking at the Cardinals. And the reason why I think like there's a lesson to be learned from everything you just said, Dan, and it's not about Jack Flaherty. That's completely different. You you don't replace Jack Flaherty. You just can't. No no team can. But the lesson for this offseason is the depth wasn't there this year. And I thought they had it. I was wrong. I did too. I'm with you. Uh, And that's, by the way, rotation-wise and position player-wise. In the outfield, they did not have the depth that they thought they did. So, lesson learned this offseason, you got to add a fourth outfielder. That's a legit professional bat that can go out there and give you everyday appearances if needed. Shouldn't count on him to do so, but if needed, he can. I look at the team that can be the template for the Cardinals this offseason as being the San Francisco Giants. Last year, that was not a great baseball team by any stretch. They ended up below 500, and they're in the toughest division in the sport right now. This offseason, they went through and they, on the margins, upgraded incrementally in a number of different areas. They made some good trades. They made some smart signings. They hit on a lot of different pieces, especially in that bullpen. That's what the Cardinals need. They need an offseason where Mo goes out there and he does a classic Mo type of an offseason. You need a big piece, too, but maybe even the more important pieces are 
Who's the guy that you're going to get for a million dollars this offseason that can be that fourth outfielder that's a lefty bat off the bench? Who's the guy that's going to come into that bullpen and be the classic Cardinals devil magic guy that can get you the seventh inning to be able to bridge the gap when Hennessy Cabrera is not available? Who's the guy that's going to come in on a minor league deal that could have been Jose Rondon this year and is going to provide you a little bit of pop off the bench? Those are the kinds of pieces that the Giants added last offseason that the Cardinals didn't and that they desperately needed. So if you're asking me how far away is this team, it might feel like it's five, six moves, but you can make those moves in one offseason. We just saw it from the Giants, and they went from non-contention to the best team in the National League. Are you intrigued with the idea of Jordan Hicks and Alex Reyes being starters next year? Jordan Hicks? Interesting. Um... I had talked about that previously. I thought that book was closed. Y- yes. I mean, I'm intrigued by it. So let me let me give you a little background. So sure. I, I was uh, emceeing. We're trying to basically, uh, in the final couple of months at the ballpark, pound everything into a two-month period, which is a lot of season ticket holder events and group leader dinners and things of that nature. And I love doing them. Um, they asked me to emcee in them, and I'm happy to do it. And so one of the things that Mo will do, he, he comes and speaks at, at these. And a lot of times he'll open it up to the crowd and say, hey, you, you guys have invested in us. Uh, we'll pull back the curtain a little bit. What are you thinking? And people ask tough questions. And he's very, very forthright in these answers. But um, there was a, either a report or something happened where Jordan Hicks' name got brought up as a starter. And he said, yes, we're going to look at it. And maybe my thinking is on that is that, if you're asking Jordan Hicks at, you know, coming off this elbow injury, he's a freak of nature in a good way. All due respect, he's throwing 105, which we've seen. Is it better maybe physically on him to have a pattern of pitching sure. every fifth day, doing your bullpen, and then understanding that you got the time off uh, between those starts? And maybe that's something that needs to happen to maximize his potential physically and what needs to happen at the major league level. Um Alex Reyes wants to do this to start. He's been pretty vocal about it, adamant about it. I'm sure he loves the idea of going to the ballpark, which closers will tell you the guys that have been starters before, like, man, the one thing I love, I'm going to compete every day. And you get a a taste of the game on the line, the last three outs, generally speaking. So there's something to that. However, if he's going to be a starter, the walk rate has to come down Um, because if it doesn't, and the same thing with Hicks, if it doesn't, you're going to get three or four innings and he's going to be at 90 pitches and that's not sustainable. So I am intrigued by the idea of doing that and maybe then revamping my bullpen. And the thing in the bullpen I would look at if I was mowing the front office and uh, thank God I'm not running a team because we'd be over budget and probably 50 games out. But um, to your point, and it's, I've said it, the guys I work with say, uh, say it, you said it earlier. I got to find people. I don't care if they're max effort guys. I don't care if they're throwing 100. I want people to throw strikes. I got to find people that throw strikes. Now, we're going to have some bad games where we walk people. Yeah, but generally speaking, this team at 81 games was on pace for 700 walks. That cannot happen, and you don't win games when you do that. So that's some of the things that I would do. And you can get those pieces without you know, spending $10 million on one guy. Anthony Sclafani. Like yeah. that, that's the guy that the uh, Giants went out last offseason. They signed him to a one-year, $6 million deal. Who's the, who's your Anthony Sclafani? It's not a sexy signing. We're probably, I, I would imagine, I can, I can already see the day, Dan. Cardinals announced that they signed whoever this year's version is of that. One year, $7.5 million. And Cardinals fans are like, oh, well, that's, and I get it. 
that's not the thing that's going to fix this team. You're right. Individually, I totally agree. That is not the one piece that this team is missing. But when you combine that with other incremental upgrades, it can be. It can be something that helps you. So you talked about uh, the bench, which then means depth. It also means a little bit more thumb coming off your your bench for offense, too. Um, I'm not sold on this offense yet. You know, I think Dylan Carlson is going to get better and better. I think he's had a tremendous rookie year. They're relying on him a ton. He's playing every game, plays every inning, and he's 22 years old. He's never been through a season like this, and he's holding up. I thought he's he was getting hot again. He was teetering about three weeks ago, and since that time, boom, 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 he's he's been fine. Um, I know what I'm going to get out of Tyler O'Neill. You know, O'Neal is an interesting cat because he's going to go four for four one night, which he did. And then the next night he's going to look awful and striking out three times. And then he's going to walk into some home runs. So I'm fine with that. I know what I have with that. Bader's been hit and miss, but I love his defense. It's elite. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But I know a lot of fans are saying, well, hey, you guys are talking so much about the pitching. What about the offense? I'm with you. It needs to be more consistent. Um, but that's what we're talking about. What do you do middle infield? And with your bench and finding guys that can give you more depth as you go along in a long 162. And I do think that's something they will address. Yeah, we got a text. You guys are putting all the onus on the pitching, but that doesn't explain the offense. Well, we just did. Totally with you. (laughs) (laughs) This team has plenty of issues to be hammered out in the offseason. And it it starts middle infield like you started this conversation, Dan. It continues into the pitching staff, and that has a trickle-down effect into the bullpen. So it's... It's top to bottom. They've got a lot of things that need to improve going into next offseason. But when I hear somebody like Robert Murray, who I have a lot of respect for, say that this team's really far away, it feels that way. But it always feels that way in the moment. It can can, can flip way quicker than you expected. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. He's always so kind to say yes when we come on, uh, when he comes on, Mike Petriello of MLB.com and MLB Network, and we just grill him with these tough (laughs) questions, but yet he comes back for more. Hey, Mike, uh, Dan and BK, Danny Mac Show in uh, St. Louis, thanks for coming on. As always, we appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, what's going on with the Cardinals? From an outsider's perspective, uh, I am curious what you think of the Cardinals. They, uh, I think it's going to be either the 18th or the 19th time, if they win tonight, that they get back to 500 in 2021, which is an incredible amount of times of going back and forth. So uh, just a general question. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals of 2021? Be gentle, Mike. We know this yeah. is what you called. <laughs> well, the... Listen, the, the brutal, honest answer to that is that I really haven't thought of the Cardinals that much. That's that's the truth of it. Because you're right. They've neither been great nor poor. They didn't do anything interesting at the trade deadline. They've just sort of been there around 500 all year long. And there are, bit, there are things to like. Like, I really like how the young outfield has come together over the last month or so. Like, those three guys are, are finally looking like, you know, the building blocks you'd hoped they might be. But that's going to be more of a next season thing. I mean, this is a team that's sort of playing as projected, like the shape of it's a little different, but I thought they were the third best team in the division before the season started. And that's kind of exactly what's happened. 
Mike, what are the lessons, in your opinion, that this Cardinals team can learn from the Giants? Because as I look to their roster, it, it kind of is similar to the Cardinals in that they had previously all of the the staples that you had previously seen in their lineup that we all knew to be good players, but weren't necessarily performing up to those expectations. And then in an offseason, they made a bunch of moves and everything seemingly hit. And now look at where they are. Are there lessons that this Cardinals team can learn from them? I think there is, but it's kind of a thing that's easier said than done. I mean, in a lot of ways, the Giants are now the model franchise for how to be successful in the big leagues because you look at them and what they've done is, yeah, they've turned around some of their aging veterans who are having good seasons. You know, Posey and, and Crawford and Longoria, and some of that's health, sure. I mean, I know Longoria is hurt right now, but a lot of that is they've really turned around their front office. Like when they hired Farhan Zaidi, he brought in a whole bunch of new you know, not just like data analysts, but coaches who knew how to speak that language, who could get that kind of stuff across. And every time you see a Giants hitter talking about what's made them successful this year, they invariably praise the hitting coaches. They hired three of them. You know, Kapler's got one of the largest staffs, if not the largest staffs in baseball. And they all talk about the hitting coaches that they brought in who would help them understand, you know, not only how their bodies move, but what the numbers say and how to make that actionable. You know, Brandon Crawford talked about that a lot. His swing has changed. And then the front office does a really great job of finding these undervalued guys. You know, Mike Yastrzemski, they stole from Baltimore for nothing. You know, Lamont Wade, they got from Minnesota for pretty much nothing. The Cardinals kind of have the opposite problem. And I know everybody knows the names, so I won't go through them all. But guys leaving the Cardinals organization and succeeding elsewhere, that's not only got to stop. you got to get the flow coming inward to do what the Giants have done. How, how closely, uh, Mike, are you following maybe some of the guys that are on the cusp of being big leaguers? And I'm, I'm asking that about specifically Matthew Libertor and Nolan Gorman and what you think about the immediate future and then the long-term uh, future, meaning probably next year. But would you see a call-up this year and, and just the kind of the, the trajectory that they're on to get to Major League Baseball? Well, they're certainly highly regarded prospects. For for Gorman, I mean, I know he was great in Double A. It's been only okay in Triple A so far. You know, a, a two ninety three on base uh, is not fantastic, and that's fine. You know, a, a young guy coming up Triple A for the first time that doesn't make him any better or worse of a prospect, but it does sort of mean he's not necessarily like knocking down the door where you have to get him up this year and start his service time clock. Kind of the same thing, you know, for Libertor too. I mean, you look at his ERA right now, it's over five in Memphis. And again, you can't just scout the stat line. There's a whole lot more that goes into it to seeing if these guys are ready, but I don't think that necessarily either of these guys uh, must be called up on September 1st. And don't forget too, the roster expansion rules are changed. It's not the full 40 man anymore. It just goes up to 28 names. So it's not like they have an endless amount of room, you know, on the bench for them. So I I think highly of both of them. I do think they will both be part of the next good Cardinals team when that happens, but I I don't necessarily expect to see either one in the big leagues this season. Mike, when you look at the Cardinals and I, they're not turning the page on this season, but as we have you on, I'm going to do that really quickly. Where do you view their spots where they need to improve the most in the off season? Like are there positions that you would be trying to attack or they're pitching versus offense? What would you be looking to acquire this off season? If you were John Mosellock? Yeah, that's the right question. And it's funny you say they haven't turned the page on the season, but, you know, the only trade deadline acquisitions were a pair of 38-year-old pitchers. So, publicly, publicly uh, they're not. Yeah, I, I would say they, they indicated their preference right there. You look at the uh, the team next year. Like I said, I'm pretty high in the young outfield. I think you go into next season and you say Carlson and Bader and uh, O'Neill can all be starters. And that's different than how I felt 
last winter where I was a little bit critical of the fact that they didn't bring in any sort of veteran outfield bat. And you just sort of assumed that all three of those guys would be good at the same time. And it, it didn't happen. There were injuries, obviously, and the guys behind them didn't play well. And if you look at the outfield through July 9th, which is the day I pick, or July 8th, because that was that was when they finally got all three of them healthy, it was like a bottom seven outfield for the first couple months of the season. And since they've had all three of them back, it's top five. It's been really good. So I feel a lot better about the outfield going into next year than I did coming into this year where I think they made a mistake. The number one place to me has got to be the infield. You know, I don't think Arenado will opt out. I know he's got the option to. It's, it's hard to see that happening. So you got your corner infielders set. What are you doing in the middle infield? I don't think you can necessarily just hand shortstop to Paul DeYoung anymore. It's been a couple of years of struggles. I know Tommy Edmond is very popular. I like him a lot better as a, a multi-positional guy than like an everyday starter. And I don't think Carpenter will be back, certainly. So where do you find that offense? You've got to find it in the middle infield. That's the very first place I would start. And then the other thing, and I know this is always going to be a, a touchy subject because of his stature, is Yadi Molina your catcher again next year? And if not, who is? And if he's back, can you really rely on him to play 120 games? You know, those are the first two things I would think of. I found it interesting yesterday, and, and Mike Petriello is our guest. Um, and this is before the news came out, and I was talking about some changes with the upcoming CBA that you may have. And I said, one of the things I would love to see, and I don't know if I'm in the minority, majority of this, but last year when we had the expanded playoffs, even though it was 60 games, no fans, I love the expanded playoffs. And then later in the afternoon, uh, there's some reports coming out that we may have expanded playoffs going forward. Do you like that idea? Do you think baseball would uh, be receptive to that? I think it's probably in our future at some point. I don't know how soon it'll happen. I'm sure it'll be part of the CBA negotiations. I personally don't like it that much. I like the system we have right now. Uh, I definitely, I like the wild card and I think it's fun. Like for example, in the NL West where you've got three good teams and it's not like two of those teams will be locked out because there's no wild card. I just, I love the regular season of baseball. And I think the more postseason teams you add, the more you take away from the regular season. And I like that teams will go into the year knowing there's limited playoff spots and we need to load up and improve our team as best as we can. That said, I'm pretty sure there will be expanded playoffs at some point. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get a kick out of watching all that too. Mike Petriello is our guest here on 101 ESPN. He covers Major League Baseball for MLB.com and MLB Network. You can follow him on Twitter at his name, Mike underscore Petriello. Mike, one thing we've talked a ton about this season is where the Cardinals are in relation to the Brewers because they they surprised me. I didn't think that they were going to be able to completely overtake this division the way that they have. How far away do you view the Cardinals from the Brewers, both for the here and now and for the next couple of seasons as they are currently constructed? I just think they're very different teams. You know, like I picked the Brewers to win the division because I really liked their pitching, and that's pretty much paid off. The rotation and the bullpen has been fantastic, even though the lineup has been questionable. I don't look at the Brewers as necessarily some unbeatable force that can't be toppled over the next couple of years. You know, it's a little different than the Dodgers, you know, running over the West for all these years until this year, obviously. So to that, there's no great team in the central. I don't look at them necessarily as being that far away, especially because the Brewers are not the kind of team that's going to go out and sign like Carlos Correa or some big time uh, hitter that they really need. And that said, it's, it's about the Cardinals improving. Like the issues you're seeing this year, at least to my eye are not new. They haven't really had a great power hitting team in a number of years, I think over the last four seasons, they're like 23rd or something in slugging percentage. 
And I'm sure all the fans want to pin that on the hitting coach and they want to fire him and, you know, find do or don't, but it, it's not so much about how far are you from the Brewers? It's how do you improve this team? This is like the 20th best team in baseball to me, give or take, you know, how do you improve that? And it's kind of a problem because you look up and down the roster, as I said, the the outfield I think is, is promising and I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, but who's in the rotation next year? Like I'm a huge Jack Flaherty fan. He'll be fine. You can bring back Wayne, right? How much you're going to get from him as he gets older. I mean, he's obviously been very good this year. It's about kind of changing the way the organization functions and adding more talent. And don't worry about the Brewers so much and worry about the Cardinals. Uh, my final question, and we're talking about, you know, a lot of the offseason and what it may look like. What do you think it's going to be like after that final out of the World Series and then the focus is on the CBA? Will it be business as usual for teams or are they just going to have to wait and see to make moves because you got to wait to see what the CBA looks like. Do you think that's how it's going to play out or, or will it be uh, business as usual? I think it's going to be a painful winter. And I, I hate to say it, like I don't want to look forward to that. What I think is going to happen is so the CBA expires on December 1st. And I would be pretty confident saying there will not be an agreement by December 1st. And that's going to be reported, you know, as a doomsday situation. I don't really think that's the case because obviously it's not like there's any games happening. What's probably going to happen is negotiations will stretch out past the holiday and into the beginning of the new year. And I'm pretty confident that some agreement will be reached and we'll get baseball next year and that'll be great. But as far as the winter goes, after that agreement expires, I don't know how many teams are going to be really interested in making big moves and big signings just because they don't know what the rules are going to be. Right. You know, So that's going to kind of freeze everything and it's going to be frustrating. I am really not looking forward to it but i'm still pretty optimistic we will get you know a 2022 baseball season in whatever shape that looks like absolutely i totally agree hey mike thanks for hopping on we appreciate it as always and uh, we'll catch up soon all right thanks guys you got it that's uh, mike petriello of mlb.com and uh also the mlb network um I happen to agree with him on the CBA thing. I think there'll be stuff that gets out. I mean, if anybody was paying attention, uh, you had more, way more important things going on uh, this time last year or in July of last year with the uh, the pandemic and, uh, you know, baseball, it was embarrassing what happened. Um, you know, just trying to get back on the field and the, the leaked reports, you're always going to get that in a CBA. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful that that doesn't happen as much. Uh, but I, here's the bottom line though, BK, there's so much money in the game, so much money in the game. Everybody's making money. That's number one. And number two is you're coming. I mean, there has to be an adult in the room. And I would like to think there's a bunch of them that say, gentlemen, we're coming off a pandemic. We were coming off a season that didn't have fans. We're coming off a situation where the players didn't make their full, full salaries, um, the money is there. We got to figure out how to divvy this thing up. And by the way, most importantly, the people that provide us that money are the fans and we can't upset them. Yep. So if we decide to lock this thing down or shut it out, uh, shut it down, um, we're going to have a real problem on our hands, getting people back. And it, it, it's always that case in these things. It happened in hockey, happened in baseball. McGuire Sosa helped. Obviously this is different. This is a pandemic and people don't want to hear about it. They don't. They just do not want to hear about the money. Tell me we're playing baseball. Tell me that the Cardinals are going out making some moves, and I'll see you on opening day, if not before, down in Jupiter when I take my family down there for spring break. That's the big one. This has to happen quickly, too, because if it doesn't, then you're at risk of potentially, once again, upheav- having an upheaval of your offseason. Like, teams aren't going to be making signings if they don't know what their team is supposed to look like. And what I mean by that is, spe- let's think of the Cardinals for a second. 
if we are headed towards the designated hitter in the National League, I need to know that if I'm John Mosellock to be able to For construct sure. my roster. Where am I spending? Let's say I've got a $160 million budget going into next season. Okay, well, there might be a $10 million piece on my roster if we've got the designated hitter that does not have to be there if we're not utilizing that next season. So he, there's a lot that needs to get done and quickly, hopefully prior to November, so that way this offseason can actually get off the ground this year. So what are you looking forward to in uh, this road trip, which takes the Cardinals to Pittsburgh and then Kansas City? Outside, you got to have some wins, okay? Yeah. Got to have some wins. What are you What are you looking forward to on this trip? I mean, Flaherty? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing too. everybody's looking forward to, right? I, I want to see what Jack Flaherty looks like. Uh, we'll see what ends up coming with Miles Michaelis. And I'm, I'm also curious to see what Jay Happ looks like in his second start as a Cardinal. He looked pretty solid in his first outing for them. I liked the move more than I think a lot of people did just because he throws strikes, and I thought it would be Wade LeBlanc-ish kind of what it looked like in his first start. Can you continue to follow that up, especially against a Pittsburgh team that you should be able to pitch well against? Are you uh, efforting to get uh, the Nogfather on? So from what I understand, I believe we will have John Nagowski on BK and Ferrario coming up in the 12 o'clock hour today. Is Nogfather, that right? Nogfather confirmed for 1230. That is awesome. Yes. Um, yes. His, he is uh, back. His dad sent me the nicest uh, email about uh, how I handled him when he was in St. Louis. You know, just polling for him, yep. that kind of stuff. And I had talked to John multiple times, uh, texting and that kind of stuff. Just really nice. And so I'm polling for him. Now, his first 12 games in uh, Pittsburgh, he was hitting 438 with 10 runs batted in, over 1,000 OPS. He went 21 for 48 to start his Pittsburgh Pirate career. Last 17 games, though, 7 for 55. Don't worry about it. Seven right. for 55. He's about to get hot again. So, well, he's playing the Cardinals. You know they're going to put him in the lineup. They have to put him in the lineup yeah. against the uh, Cardinals tonight. He'll be out there. I would say so. So you've got uh, John Nagowski coming up. Who else? Uh, that's it for guests today. I decided, you know, since I'm back, uh, yeah. we will go ahead and go full-blown hot take mode for the next. I'm kidding. Love um, it. We will open things up with the uh, big injury yesterday. KK out for the foreseeable future. What does that mean for the rotation, both for the here and now and for next year? Is KK now playing his way or really injuring his way out of their plans for next season? We'll talk about that coming up. Okay. Okay, looking forward to it. Tanner, great job. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.